Welcome back to another episode of the Wellbrick Podcast. Today is the inaugural episode of the Wellbrick Bookshelf, where we're going to choose a book that's very impactful for both personal and professional development. To join us for the Wellbrick Bookshelf pods, we brought on a special guest who's going to be a regular host for this segment, and is Jack Cook. Jack's part of the Wellbrick team. He's also a CSCS certified strength and conditioning specialist and training expert, as well as a business manager. I'm joined by the rest of the Wellbrick team. I'm your host, Jack Avenue. We have Michael and Chris also joining today. All right. So, Jack, we originally set aside that book as the topic for the first episode, and you hadn't read it. What was your impression of the book? Well, I was actually surprised that I've never even actually heard of the book because I've read a lot of books in my past and all you guys were telling me to read The Alchemist. I was like, what's The Alchemist? And once I started reading it, I already knew immediately that I'd be stoked on this book because of what the book entails. I'll be honest with you. It seems very interesting. Even the, the cover seemed interesting. Now, they always say don't judge a book by its cover, but I could tell that it was just going to be a different type of book. And I was just very intrigued by reading um, the first few pages and even what Paolo has stated why he wrote the book. He said a few things in there in the prologue that I thought were very interesting. He goes, I reread The Alchemist regularly and every time I experience the same sensations, I feel happiness too because I know I can never be alone. Wherever I go, people understand me and they understand my soul. So he wrote this book because maybe he felt misunderstood and this book is part of who he is and that's why he wrote it. I'll double back in a second and explain the overall summary of the book. But there's a point in the book where the main character, Santiago, is in the desert and feels alone. It feels like the desert's so big and he's so small. And it's not until he starts paying attention to his relationship with the universe that he's at ease. So what you're saying about the author, Paulo Coelho, about his prologue, that preface in the book, it actually takes me right to that scene. So there's a reason, before we dive into the summary, that each of us were advocating so hard that this needed to be the first book we highlighted. Mike, for you, what was it about this book? When you told me to read it, it was, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when I read it for the first time, but I think it, I think it is eye-opening. After reading the book, I think it sort of gives you almost like a relaxed confidence that everything's working in your favor. You just got to pay attention, pay attention to what's in front of you, pay attention to omens. It's a powerful book. How about for you, Chris? Just paying attention to everything that's going around you. When I first read this book, it, it literally changed my life. It's so powerful. It's it's so simple. It's such an easy read that you didn't think that you would get so much value from a book that's only, what, 168 pages, 163 pages. And I was the type of person that never got any value from a fictional book. And so when I read it, I was like, holy shit. This book has so much value packed into this this great story that it's a page turner. You want to continue to read it. If you go into this book without an open mind, it's not going to bring much value. You have to read it with an open mind. One good way to measure a book, much like a movie, do you want to watch it again or do you want to read it again? This is a book that every time I return to it, I get a lot of value out of it. I understand that it it can be a simple concept, but the impact is massive. So here's the summary of the book. Spoiler alert, but I mean, listen, this is a book club pod. So the gist of it is there's this young boy, Santiago, who is a shepherd, and he wants to reach these treasures in the pyramids, and he's so determined to do so. But what he finds out on his journey, traveling through the lands and traveling through the deserts and through these different towns and encampments, becomes his treasure. And the phrase alchemist is someone who has the ability to combine metals and materials to create things. What he ends up meeting along the way is these different kind of shapeshifters. You 
want to call them almost magicians that are trying to really hit home a consistent message to Santiago. And the message is this. Everybody's born with what's called their personal legend. It is what they were born to fulfill, kind of like a destiny. And their life is a manifest destiny. And if they pay attention to the world, the whole entire world is trying to conspire to help them achieve their personal legend. And the world is constantly throwing hints at us. In this book, it talks about them as omens. And if you pay attention to these omens, it takes you closer and closer to that personal legend. But if you forget to pay attention to these omens or get sidetracked, they appear less and less, and you could end up settling. And that concept to me, there's nothing more powerful. Your first go through with this book, what was your major takeaway? I could relate to this book personally a lot because Santiago essentially traveled through the desert and he needed to convince himself that, you know, what he really wanted was his uh, goal to find that treasure. And he convinced himself, even though his father was telling him he didn't, Santiago wanted to be a shepherd because he wanted to travel, but he was going against his father's beliefs. And today we all live in a world where people tell us how we should live our lives and Santiago didn't do do that. He made a decision to not do that and find his personal legend. So there's a point really early in the book when he's going back and forth with his dad about, I want to travel, I want to travel, I want to travel. And his dad's saying, you know, it's not all it's hyped up to be. Don't worry about that. You know, settle down. And not too far after that, he ends up in a town called Tangier. And he only stops in for a bite to eat. He ends up staying a year. During that year, he finds a way to earn money. He makes relationships and he starts to settle in. And each time he makes money, he counts in his head how many sheep he can buy with that money. And he rationalizes. He negotiates with himself. Oh, I'll stay a little bit longer, make a little bit more, buy some more sheep. I'll stay a little bit longer, make some more, buy some more sheep. That part of the story concerned me because it made me wonder, you know, what's my tangier? What's your tangier? What's that place we were supposed to stop in for a bite to eat? We were supposed to stop in for a drink and we stayed there a year, a decade, a lifetime, and we never got to our personal legend. What's your tangier? And next time you stop in somewhere for a bite to eat, a dance, a drink, whatever that is, if you read this book, I believe you'll be more aware. Is this a destination where I'm going to fulfill my personal legend or is this just a pit stop along the way and I need to keep it moving? I think that's a great point. Anytime you're trying to find your personal legend, or achieve a goal in life, a major goal like he's trying to accomplish, you have to tell yourself before even going into it, what you're going to do, kind of set that boundary. I'm only going to be at this place this long. Now, don't get me wrong. You can learn a lesson from anywhere you go, but people in general, when we're comfortable, we're satisfied. And he felt a little too comfortable in that instance. He could have achieved his goal, found that treasure maybe six months prior to when he actually did or whenever it was. He felt too comfortable. And people have the problem where they're too complacent and they feel okay with it, and they don't want to test themselves even further. But when you begin, you got to start that goal. You got to set your mind accordingly saying, I'm not going to stop until I achieve it. But life comes at you. You meet people. You meet great people. He ended up working at a crystal shop. The guy he worked for was a great guy. They had great conversations. He was obviously compensated and becoming comfortable there. There's nothing wrong with that. Finding a place that you fit in, that you like the people you're around, you enjoy what you're doing, and that becomes where you spend all of your days. But remember what this book is trying to do. It's trying to cut through life and get down to legend. And life and legend are two different things. Life is what we do all day. Legend is what we were meant to do. They're two different things, but often we get caught up and we settle into 
to life. Mike and I were talking about the conversations that Santiago would have with that crystal shop owner. Yeah, so how Santiago would always talk about his dream to the crystal merchant and how he wanted to go to the pyramids to find his treasure. The crystal merchant also had a dream and his dream was to go to Mecca. And he basically explained to Santiago that he doesn't really want to go to Mecca. He just likes thinking about it. He loves dreaming about it. And he prefers to just dream about it and never actually go. And that was just enough for him. So very concerning again. So this book, I don't think it's meant to be a cautionary tale, but When that crystal merchant is saying, Santiago, sounds like you actually want to achieve your dream. I just want to dream about my dream. That blew my hair back. That made me go, holy shit. There's nothing wrong with what the crystal merchant said. Dreaming about a dream, having something to hope for. I mean, hope's a powerful thing. That's good for most. But if you really want to achieve your personal legend, you need to act on your dream. You need to really actualize it, make it happen in reality. Jack, when you were reading the first time through, is that something that stood out to you? Absolutely. The reason this conversation stuck out with me was because the crystal merchant was a man who I feel is the most common type of people that we deal with. We like to be complacent. We don't test ourselves often enough. He's probably in fear of leaving what he has, has built. I think... If we don't continue to test ourselves like Santiago was doing, he knew what he wanted to do. He had his eye on the prize. Maybe the crystal merchant was just too settling in his position. Maybe he did have that dream. He was just too busy living his life and forgot about the rest. There's a part of the story where the alchemist in the desert talks about how complicated it is to perform alchemy. You know, the molding of all these different metals and elements together into gold, because if everybody could do it, gold would lose its value. So the crystal merchant needs to exist so that people like Santiago, when they persist to achieve their dream and accomplish it, they stand out. Because if everybody chased their personal legend and achieved it and nobody settled into life, there would be no acclaim. If we all have the same responsibility, it loses its value. I think we're all destined to do different things but we lose track of it. But remember the humanity in this. Santiago's no better than the crystal merchant. This book isn't trying to tell us if you chase your personal legend, you're right. And if you settle into life, you're wrong. All it's trying to do is make us aware that there's this big conspiracy and a really good one where the world wants to help us achieve our personal legend. So pay attention to the omens. We need people along our journey to push us up. We need these wandering mentors. So from the crystal merchant to the caravan leader, he keeps meeting these people that are smarter than him. They have more rings around the tree. So after he leaves Tangier, which to me is a sigh of relief because, man, he almost settled into life and didn't keep chasing his personal legend. He meets the caravan leader that's going to continue to take him on his journey through the desert. What was your major takeaway from the two of them? There was a lot of insight that the caravan leader gave Santiago on how he has to speak to the desert. He's got to be communicating with the desert at all times because it all works together. It works in one. And I think Santiago learned a lot of wisdom from that because he learned to be at peace at what was happening and learned to speak with the world rather than fighting everything the desert was giving him. I believe there's different lessons he was learning along the way. The first lesson when he was with his father and his father was saying, no, 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 do this. I think the first lesson he was learning is ambition. It's one thing to say I have an ambition. It's another thing to do it even when other people are saying no, no, no. So I think lesson one was ambition. When he gets to Tangier, I think that lesson was distraction. So when you have ambition, then you start acting on it. Life can distract you. And he passed that. Boom. He learned that lesson, passed that mission. I believe when he got to the desert, the next lesson was fear. So many of the conversations, even though they all didn't dive into the word fear, 
were about fear. Listen to what you're talking about the desert. It's hot. It's scorching. It's dark. There could be barbarians attacking. I mean, they got to a point where they were scared to light a fire because they didn't want to attract people. They even talked about the point of no return. So the desert is a symbol for our journey toward our goal when it looks like we're so small in this large world and we're trying to chase something. It makes us feel so tiny like you could in a desert. The caravan driver talks about the point of no return. There's a point, Santiago, when we're on this desert journey where we've gotten so far from our starting point, it wouldn't logically ever make sense to turn around. And I know it's getting scary out here. And he, they even talk about it's darkest before the dawn. And I know it's dark out here, but we need to keep moving forward to get to our destination. So I believe the lesson that the book's trying to teach us in the desert is to overcome our fears. I didn't let others' opinions of my ambition stop me. I didn't let complacency or distraction stop me. And I'm not scared anymore. So when he let go of the fear in the desert by facing all of that, that's the point where he came to grip with staring death because he was no longer scared of it. As I read the book, I really started to realize how it could compare to today's world. It actually says, if someone isn't what others want them to be, others become angry. Everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should lead their lives, but not about his or her own. Santiago did a fantastic job of not caring about what other people think. He learned the lessons from all the alchemists, but he wasn't concerned about what his father was saying in terms of, I can't be a shepherd. I can't travel. I can't find this treasure. He set his mind on a goal and he accomplished that goal. You know, and earlier in the book, there was even mentioned how I can find the quote on it later. But Paulo was stating how when we're kids or when we're younger, everyone knows their personal legend. We just lose track of it as we get older because we have too many distractions, become complacent. We start to live our lives. We don't test ourselves enough. Something that talks about in the books is that we have dreams as children. And so many people, they proceed with life and they leave their dreams behind. If you look at your dream almost like a shadow, you guys remember the, the Peter Pan movies, but he would have that shadow of himself on the wall. Those dreams are supposed to go through life with you. I do believe that something that is constant in this book is it's reminding us, do not abandon your dreams and leave them behind. Of course, we have ambition, dreams, and hopes as children because we're unencumbered. Nobody's told us we can't yet. There's another turning point before the desert where Santiago starts to reframe things in his mind. Yeah, um, that's probably and there's my favorite that real, part of the book. Yeah, there's that real powerful one where he's in a foreign town. He feels a little bit lost for a second, and he has some inner dialogue with himself. Since that's your favorite part, Mike, why don't you dive into that a little bit? He's sitting in a bar, and he's just feeling down and out. He was just robbed of all of his money. So he has no sheep, no money, and he's in a new place, and he's scared, and he's just feels out of place and he didn't really know what to do in that moment he's just shifted his perspective and he's like i'm not lost and i'm not down and out i'm just on an adventure i'm just out here adventuring and i think that's when things started to turn in his favor again what some people might consider is the victim of the moment you know all the stuff stolen from him in a new scary place knows not a single person says i'm not a victim i'm an adventurer he just flipped it right on its head from victim to adventure. So when Santiago learned to overcome the fear or dismiss the fear, he got to the point where he was able to live fearlessly like he's playing with house money. And that's when all of the omens really started being prevalent to him because he's no longer distracted by the fears of the world. He's able to really pay attention to what they talk about in the book as the language of the world. 
But there was still, obviously, he's a young man. There were still some lessons he needed to continue to learn along the way, right? I, I almost compare that to how we talk about taking the leap all the time and then growing your wings on the way down. That was almost him taking his leap. He takes the leap a couple of times because he always has these setbacks. So when he goes and he has that, that recurring dream interpreted, and so he was taking the leap as soon as he sold the sheep. He took the leap to actually go across the river. Then he takes the leap again after he gets robbed. Then he takes the leap right. again to leave the crystal shop. Then he takes the leap again as he is trying to decide to leave his love or not. Always taking action. Yeah, you're yeah right. like many good stories, the stakes keep going up. So at the very, they talk about fear from the beginning of the book where mm -hmm. there's this really cool line where they say shepherds don't fear droughts or wolves saying like on your journey, a drought will be a downturn. You, you're out of resources and wolves will be enemies or threats. Shepherds don't fear them. So don't have fear. It's one thing in the beginning when he leaves a, a job to continue chasing his dream, the, the stakes aren't that high to flash forward in the desert. When the alchemist literally has a sword up against his head, threatening to chop his head off and he's free of any fear. That shows his personal progression because at the highest stakes, his life is on the line. He's got a sword. He's kneeled down, ready to accept death, and he's not scared of it. So at the highest stakes, like that's a big turning point in the book. So as he's making his way through the desert, he's learning to grapple with fear. He's learning to pay attention to what's called the universal language of the world. Um, and again, hammering home to us is this concept of we're meant for something great, but to actualize it. We really need to pay attention to the universe because it's trying to serve us. It's literally our biggest fan and our biggest conspirator. So pay attention because it wants to direct you in that. There's a really important section where it talks about when you start paying attention to the universe and the language of the world, it will sweep you toward your destination like a current. It's actually on page 70. I got it. When someone makes a decision, he is really diving into a string current that will carry him to places he had never dreamed of when he first made the decision. I think the earth has a wavelength. Every living organism has a wavelength, right? And that's what your wave is. If you make a decision, the earth is going to carry onto that wavelength. It's all positive energy. If you have negative energy, you're only going to see things in negative eye. It's just how it works. Your brain is more powerful than you can begin to imagine. If you force yourself to see positive things, you're only going to see powerful things and positive things, and you're going to go onto that current. It's a strong current. Let the earth take you the way it wants to take you. But it happened with a decision, right? So, right. because a thought is a decision. And once you make that decision, it talks about you getting caught in that current and it taking you to places you never imagined. I've always said, if you do nothing, nothing is going to happen. But if you do something, something's going to happen. So then if you have this belief after reading a book like this, that that something is something headed in the right direction that's taking you closer to your personal legend, now you have the faith to act. The faith to act is big because we all dream, right? But to act on your dreams and be inspired to act is the difference between you actualizing your dream and becoming what you can versus just dreaming about your dream. If we think too much about things, we're never actually going to do it. We always think of reasons why we can't do it because it's easier for our brain. Stop mm -hmm. thinking and get busy living. The only way to live your best life is to live your best life. There's a point in the desert where the caravan driver teaches him a lesson. If you live in the past or live in the future, you can't live in the present. It's impossible. So although the book is teaching us to chase a personal legend 
And we're going to spend time thinking about what's this version of myself I want to become. We don't get to become it unless we hunker down and focus on the now and what's going on in the universe. That's powerful. Isn't that what this book's trying to teach us? That there's only one relationship that really matters, your relationship with the world. Um, And guess what? The world's in your corner. You guys both have the same common mission, your personal legend. There's there's another quote in the book that that talks about there is only one way to learn is through action. So everything that you need to learn is through your actions of following your steps of your own personal legend and not worrying about what other people have to think, not taking an account of how can this person see me being better? That shit doesn't fucking matter. It's how you see yourself. I totally agree. And I think to begin that process, I'm taking a lot of this book personally because I can relate to it. And I love the term auto-suggestion. And I think that's what Paulo and Santiago were talking about within this book is auto-suggestion, which essentially means speaking something into existence. He kept telling himself over and over and over again. And he convinced himself he already has a treasure. He's going to find this treasure. So all those obstacles that came in his path helped him convince his mind that he is on a journey, he is on an adventure, and he's not the victim. He knows he's going to accomplish no matter what comes his way. And here's kind of the big broad stroke gist of the book, or the mic drop moment. He's the treasure. So the treasure's a construct. It's something for him to pursue, but it's who he becomes in the process of chasing that treasure that is the treasure. Him pursuing it and all the different lessons he's learning, all the different challenges he's facing, all the different acts he's evolving through is molding him into his own personal legend. His personal legend isn't a thing. He is the thing, and nobody can take that from him. Whether there's a treasure there or not, and without spoiling at the end of the book if there's a treasure, whether there's a treasure there or not, it's who he's going to become that is the ultimate treasure nonetheless. (laughs) 